Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody, the podcast where we break down a movie or TV show or whatever the hell we feel like every week. And uh, I'm Michael Dixon, your host this week. With me, as always, is Mr. Ryan King. Hey, the world ain't all rainbows and sunshine. It's not? Really? It's not. No, it's oh. a hard, nasty place. What is it? Oh, fuck. <laughs> wow, okay. And we're going to talk about it. This is getting dark it. very quickly. <laughs> uh, John Garcia, you have anything to uh, rebuttal Ryan's uh, comment there? I'm vegan, but should I drink raw eggs? Is that like a good idea? I still haven't figured out if that helps with anything. Does it that seems count? like a, some yeah. kind of miracle cure that makes <laughs> I think you ready so. for the champ. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> it starts the montage. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you, uh, you know, picked up from those comments, we are talking about Rocky. Rocky, do you believe that America is the land of opportunity? Yeah. I'll break both your arms so they don't work for you. He's every man who ever settled for something less. What about my pride, Nick? At least you have pride. I ain't had no pride. I ain't enough. He's the man who never had a chance until now. Rocky. His whole life was a million to one shot. His name is Sylvester Stallone, but you will always remember him as Rocky. Rocky tells the story of a kindly mob enforcer who lucks into the opportunity of a lifetime, the chance to punch a cocky caricature of Muhammad Ali who shares absolutely none of Ali's revolutionary political views. Rocky may or may not win the fight, but damn, does he win our hearts. Uh, so yeah, Rocky, everybody's seen Rocky. We all know the, the story of Rocky. I think it's interesting thinking back on it. I, I thought it might be fun to talk about this movie because Creed Three has come out recently. And I was thinking back on the franchise and I think people think about Rocky more for the sequels and the like horrible spawn of sports movies that it created more than the original movie and what that actually is and it really uh, doesn't feel like a sports movie you know it there was a huge turn after rocky came out in 1976 where just all these sports movies started to come out and they all have the same heroic triumph the exact same plot where the underdog comes through and wins the day in these unlikely scenarios and rocky like kind of is that but also kind of isn't like it, it really feels more like a gritty 70s character drama than it does a sports movie you know, it's like a working class story about a guy who just kind of has no confidence in himself. And uh, like, you know, everybody in the movie is worried about being called a bum. Like, that's the worst thing you could be is a bum. A bum is like and, a mook, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like he, he has no self-worth because the world around him and, you know, 70s America, there's a lot of poverty. And, you know, he lives in a, a poor neighborhood in Philadelphia and he just feels like he can't make something of himself and accomplish what he wants to. And it's this intimate character piece kind of following him throughout his life with him, his friends, the girl he's interested in, and then, you know, kind of turns into this triumphant sports story at the end, but even then doesn't do what every sports movie does, right? Like Rocky, spoiler alert, loses at the end. And it doesn't even really matter, right? It's it's not about beating the bad guy. It's about him like gaining self-respect and realizing that, hey, like he actually isn't a piece of shit. He's not a bum. He can actually accomplish things in his life. And there's a lot of inspiration in that, but it's not the same kind of cheesiness of most sports movies. There's some cheesy stuff in Rocky, but, um, you know, like there's a, a, mont like a training montage. And as far as I can tell, it's the first ever training montage. 
Um, but like if the montage is fucking awesome, like the music in, yeah. in Rocky is great from, from start to finish. And, uh, it's just a really good time. There's not a lot of boxing in it actually, you know, there's three fights, but, uh, it's, you know, there's only two fights, I guess. There's really not much time spent in the ring. It really is more of this gritty streets character drama, just following these people throughout their daily lives and examining their flaws and, uh, just kind of giving them respect as human beings for what they are, even like a tragic piece of shit like Polly, just, you know, kind of recognizing his humanity and giving him a place on the screen next to everyone else. So um, I, I always really enjoy this movie. I, whenever I revisit it, I have a really good time with it. And I think it's, you know, you look at the franchise after that and it kind of became a caricature of itself. And just kind of repeating the same story, but having Rocky win every time. And like every new movie, they find a reason to make Rocky be a huge underdog, even though he's like the heavyweight <laughs> champion of the world. And he like never loses fights. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this guy, there's no way you could beat Mr. T. What? Yo, there's no way you could beat Ivan Drago. Are you kidding me? Um, you know, they, they kind of find reasons to retell that same story over and over, which gets a bit dull. Um, and, you know, you, you think of it as a cheesy, like, oh, it's like a fucking Rudy or something. It's like, it's not. It, it's a, it's a, actually a pretty good movie, I think. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm interested to hear both of your thoughts on Rocky. But I think it's a movie that we think back on kind of incorrectly because of the cultural zeitgeist of it and everything that came after it. But that original Rocky movie is pretty fucking great, I think. Yeah. Uh, he loses to Mr. T, right? In, in Rocky He 3. does, but then he beats him at, at the end. I mean, you know, he, the fight in the middle back. of the movie doesn't matter. It's just the okay, fight at yeah, the yeah. end of the movie that matters. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I watched Rocky with my family. We were looking for things, um, this, you know, I don't know, a few months back, looking for things to watch as a whole family. And Darla had said, like, hey, Rocky's a, a classic. He gets referenced all the time. I'm um, trying to think through things that kids need for cultural touchstones. and. Uh, Rocky is absolutely one of those. Yeah. That comes up all the time. So watched it as a whole family. I, I was interested to see how the kids could easily just like attach to the concept that and you're right, this is like the first sports training montage and kind of sets the tone for sports movies. There's a several that kind of came out around this same era, but this sets the one for the like the underdog from the streets kind of thing. I think the Bad News Bears was like the exact same year and it's kind of a similar like Oh yeah, underdog like they're all you know d disrespected unexpected to be any good kind of uh thing and then those two probably shot this up right um so kids were able to attach to that really well i was surprised looking back at how absolutely little boxing there is and how absolutely horrible <laughs> the boxing is in it i yeah. think that <laughs> oh, yeah. especially when we talk about creed so many movies have better been able to put the sports in their film and actually make it look okay and direct it in a way that an audience can understand without knowing how the sports work mm -hmm. um this one i even wonder like did the people making the movie know how boxing worked um i don't still talk the about the boxing segment. himself so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i you know it's it's surprising now i think when people hear that sylvester stallone wrote this mm -hmm. um and how it is a really good script that isn't just about this boxer. It's actually surprisingly a lot about uh, a woman in horrible relationships. Um, I would even say with Rocky. Yeah, he's <laughs> First, a really good know, writer himself. Yeah, but yeah, no, like that's the you get the feeling for him. I love how early on everyone sees him, just loves him, like that he just has this connection with all these people around him. 
and then to see um the cockiness of our other boxer and how that plays off each other and that kind of that expectation um i uh, it is interesting and maybe worth a, a slight talk of the fact that we have a, a white boxer versus a black boxer um which you know and i i have to think that sylvester Stallone and the makers probably were like uh it's the 70s we're past all of that oh, and racial yeah and in a way i will say we're presented as rocky being the down and under he doesn't have money right so it isn't really necessarily presented a way that's that way but it is still like stands out a little bit in my mind still of the the potential there for some misunderstandings well, we'll um, make a and note i think of it too in the middle of the movie uh, it is a coincidence that you're fighting a white man on the most celebrated day in the country's history. I don't know about that. Is it a coincidence that he's fighting a black man on the most celebrated day in the country's history? Which is good to point out, but I do feel like this is, even back then, a what we call dorm room poster movie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. For, yeah, for like young up-and-coming white men, and you know, particularly like Italian-American white men, mm-hmm. um, and to be careful of that. Um, and especially if you look at it, the later Rocky movies play so hard into stereotypes uh, that the fight becomes about something (laughs) that if you look back at this one and you're like, no, this was just part of the overall story that's being told and and all that. Um, But anyway, I like, I I feel like it still holds up. There's some parts that are questionable. Just, I feel like after a certain time period, you go back and look and everything's a little bit questionable. We can talk about that. Um, John. Yeah. um, So this, it's not my first time seeing Rocky. I think it's my second time seeing Rocky. Um, I think the last time I watched it was like pre-college, so I haven't seen it since then. Um, Rocky Four has destroyed my brain, <laughs> and I was so convinced that the montage here had children running alongside Rocky Balboa up the steps, and then I realized that's another Rocky movie. That's Rocky Two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, remember misremembering all of these other dynamics because of the caricatures of the other Rocky movies. They couldn't afford extras in this one. <laughs> yeah, it actually, yeah, I no. feel like that kind of worked to its benefit. And oh, some yeah. of the sequences felt so isolated and alone. Um, this really felt like the antithesis to me of Taxi Driver is like you have mm-hmm. two loners. Um, one of them becomes like an underdog Cinderella story and the other becomes a political maniac. You could argue that they both become under underdog Cinderella stories. (laughs) You're correct. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I couldn't help but think about that the entire time I watched this was just like, wow, like there's uh, having just watched taxi driver pretty recently too. uh, I couldn't, couldn't pull away from thinking about, Man, Rocky was dealt a similar hand to Travis Bickle. He's not a veteran, as far as we know. Yeah, um, but he's been hit in the face a but lot. He's been hit in the face a yeah. lot, <laughs> and that that counts for something. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I absolutely love this uh, this story. I love the characters in it. There are things, yeah, that are questionable about how it comes together, but they're less questionable than other things that I've seen recently uh, with regard to like the sexual overtones to it i just watched an old 50s movie called pillow talk or 60s movie and that was it porn it was not porn uh (laughs) it it had rock Hudson and doris day if it was porn that would be some landmark hollywood history yeah right it is kind of crazy that rock rock hudson is not a porn star yeah like that name it's like wait wait that's a real guy oh oh, um but that one had like like such casual uh allusions to rape and or being gay and i was just like oh and then i watched rocky immediately after and was like oh 
I culturally don't see anything wrong with Rocky now because the bar <laughs> has been set to this other degree. But yeah, there there are moments where you're like, mm, that's a little off. Uh, overall, though, inspiring, like just great to get to know the characters. I feel like even if you were somebody who is really cynical about Rocky as a character, the fact that he talks so much about himself and how dumb he is. And he says the same things like over and over again, but in different ways, mm. it still becomes this believable thing. Like it's been uh, literally and metaphorically beaten into him that he's a bum and he's going to be nobody and he needs to just live this life. And the movie does such a good job laying groundwork for you to cheer and root for him in that latter half. Um, even with the boxing being the equivalent of what technology is today in movies, uh, where like nobody understands when they're writing about it. Um, I, I did. Yeah. I enjoyed this. The score as well seems a little bit more underplayed. Like I remembered the score from the other Rocky movies where they really blast the trumpets and they like go mm -hmm. extra hard into, uh, the revelry of it. I mean, they do was, that in this one. They too. do it in this one, but they build their way to it. And they have these yeah. subtle kind of sweet moments that reminded me of, of other sort of movies of the time where it's just, very dramatically done and not for the purpose of oh here's this evil russian and now here's the good guy from america and like there aren't that drastic of tones between the the score to give you that accentuation it doesn't feel like i'm trying to be exploited um until like the montage starts and then i'm like okay i'm into it i'm totally here for it I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't know. I didn't realize that Stallone didn't direct it. I wrote, I, I knew he wrote it. thought he directed it, but apparently not. Um, yeah. He directed all the sequels, but uh, yeah, not, not the first one. He didn't have enough clout in yeah. Hollywood at the time. Uh, still, I thought it was, I mean, so well-written and just one of my, now I, I want to go back and watch it again. I actually did watch it twice. So uh, I might as well make it a third time and then just skip right over to Rocky three, which Dixon was hyping up. Um, I watched Rocky <laughs> two and Rocky three this week and Rocky two. I was like, ah, oh, this is just kind of dumb. Like they're doing the exact same movie, but worse. And then Rocky three, I was like, I, I, you know, it's not great until the last like 30 minutes. And then I'm just like, hell yes. Like everything <laughs> just hits the right beats. And it's just like you end the movie, like, fuck yeah, go Rocky. And, uh, it's, you know, it's not as good a movie as Rocky, but it's, it's an entertaining watch for sure. Mr. T is fucking awesome in it. Yeah. The only yeah. other thing I wanted to add is the entire time Dixon talked about Rocky becoming uh, a caricature series of escalating stakes, I could only stare at Ryan and think that they had made a shonen manga for him that was like the <laughs> Dragon Ball Z of boxing. And that's kind of what Rocky seems to have become is Rocky's the greatest boxer ever. Oh, no. Better boxer now. And <laughs> what could possibly happen? Um, so seeing Creed was such a, like a. The movies, of course, the Creed movies is such a refreshing thing, having come off of like those caricatures and seeing like Rocky Balboa get back to being kind of a more grounded character, even if it is yeah. in the same formula. Um, I just like this Rocky, this version of Rocky. I don't like the other ones that come after. So. <laughs> this is definitely the best version of Rocky. And like, I feel like the later movies lose a little bit of that character richness as they play into the tropes that they have created and they just kind of keep trying to hit those beats and do the things that you expect them to do. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting to talk about Stallone and how this came about. Like, he was homeless for a while, and while he was trying to, like, he moved to Hollywood, and he was trying to get a job. He wanted to be an actor, and nobody would hire him. Um, he has, like, some paralysis in his face from, like, some sort of birth accident that, you know, that's why I kind of, like, people make fun of when he, like, yells, his mouth is kind of crooked. Like, that's because of a paralysis issue that he has, and he was having trouble get ca getting cast for things. And he wrote this script over three days and people loved it. And he got an offer to purchase it for $350,000. And he said, no, you have to make me the leading man in this. I want to play Rocky. And uh, the studio was like, no, we're not doing that. And so finally he got somebody to make it. But they said, you're going to give us a script for free and we're going to pay you 35 grand as the lead role. And that's it. And he just like gambled on himself and went for it, which is like just fucking wild that like we because of that like we now live in a world where stallone has all these horrible cheesy action movies and this entire <laughs> you know thing has come out of that we have fucking expendables movies and and all of this um because he took that gamble on himself and like the story of rocky is very much in parallel with the story of stallone himself yeah he made something serious that was art at first and then he became a caricature as he went on his, yeah his and he roles. like went from poverty to the big time there and, you go yeah. he bought he bought polly a robot <laughs> polly fucks that robot <laughs> we all know this <laughs> except rocky won best picture and rocky didn't beat uh carl weathers oh so. yeah yeah, yeah that's true that's true <laughs> uh well where do you want to jump in first dixon yeah so i guess um you know, just kind of talking about the the characters in this. I for, totally forgot that Rafi, that uh, Rocky was a mob enforcer. <laughs> and, and like, you know, they, the script somehow believably makes you think that this is a nice guy, despite the fact that he makes money, in theory, breaking legs for the mob to collect on their debts. But they're like, oh, you know, he's nice. He he's the boss tells him to break people's fingers, but he doesn't do it, you know, because he's a good mm -hmm. guy at heart and kind of trying to walk this line between somebody who in any other movie would be the bad guy and the criminal is like, you know, oh, he just took this job because that's kind of the hand that life has dealt him. And, um, you know, then he is a once he's able to pull out of that, you know, he does and he leaves that behind. But I, I always forget when I come back to watch this movie that his day job is breaking fingers for the mob. Well, having just watched like on the waterfront um, pretty recently, yeah. do you see a lot of influence in that here? Like, do you think Stallone really dug Brando's approach and wanted to make something that was a little bit similar? It feels very similar to on the waterfront for sure. I, I could see him drawing some inspiration there. Definitely. Uh, there's even like some scenes on the docks where he is like, you know, and he's breaking people's fingers or, or not breaking them on the docks to get people to pay their, their loans. Yeah. It's interesting how they, they do try to present him as that, you know, that he has that heart of gold because he's, he, he doesn't want to have to do the enforcing part. You're right. He's kind of like, this is the job I could get. Mm -hmm. um, but we see several scenes where he tries to tell people, like, don't get into this. Like, don't get into this life. Don't do these things. Don't yeah. take these loans. Like, you, you know, don't be like me, essentially. Um, that, that is interesting to present it that way. Yeah, and I feel like that also he's he's constantly trying to make something of himself, not even just in the boxing sense, just meeting his character. He like just will espouse these uh platitudes to other people, trying to tell them to be better. Um and the whole time it seems that those people don't give a shit about him, like it pushes him away from them and there's such isolation. The entire time uh, you meet or like the opening sequences when you're meeting him and he's talking to other folks, um 
he's not making eye contact with some people. He's just mm-hmm. trying to like be in their presence. He tries to walk that little girl home and tell her that she needs to be better and that people will think that she's a whore if she uses terrible <laughs> language. Um, and he's, it's like talk, Rocky's you talk dirty. You might end up becoming a whore. <laughs> They'll remember you if we be the whore. <laughs> like it's just, guys don't that. take those girls serious. I got to use a bad word. Whore. You understand? Whore. See, he used 30 words and maybe he ends up becoming a whore. You understand? It's, he's trying to speak from experience, but he doesn't really know how to connect beyond that. And you can see it in the way he's trying to tell jokes to Adrian um, or he's, I think Polly's probably the closest person he really connects with. And that's because they can both be really honest with each other and like just really brash as well. Polly's yeah. just a brash character in general. Um, but yeah, those, those moments, they serve such an interesting point to, to frame him as that character to let you know, um, he, he has that heart of gold underneath him. He's trying to better his community. The only way he knows how it's just, he's never really had anybody to tell him how to better his community so it's (laughs) just the best he can do um yeah and he's he's a guy who's just like trying to figure life out on his own right like his he doesn't really seem to have any family in the picture aside from like photos on his mirror in his shitty apartment and you know he's just kind of trying to do what he can with his life and he you know he wishes he could be a better boxer but like the trainers won't give him the time of day because they don't see any value in, in spending time with him and they think he's like, you know, Mick thinks he's wasting his life working as a mob enforcer, but also Mick won't give him the help that he needs. So there's like, you know, what's he going to do? And Stallone almost has this, um, it's a weird combination of, of pride and shame where he seems, you know, kind of ashamed that he hasn't made more of his life, but also he seems to not think that's possible. And like within his environment, he seems to not really be ashamed of of much like you know he has adrian over to his apartment and like the couches his holes all over it Got there's beers like beers everywhere yeah empty beer cans and like there's newspaper on the couch covering up the holes and like he doesn't seem to really be ashamed of that there's kind of like a a pride that he has in his working class life and like he knows he's doing what he can to get by and he doesn't really see anything wrong with that and i think that's an interesting dichotomy but uh, between those two aspects I also think it's an interesting contrast between that and Taxi Driver. You have the exact same kind of slummy sort of yeah. apartment set up. Um, but Stallone seems to be more so oblivious to, or not even oblivious, but just unbothered by the way that he lives his life uh, when he's trying to like pat the couch to get Adrian to come over. And there's just all those beer bottles shoved into the cushions behind the couch. <laughs> and then he's got a knife driven into the wall where he hangs a hat on it. Like <laughs> that apartment is so threatening oh, <laughs> in yeah. the, the way it's laid out. But like, if you look at Travis Bickle, his apartment is, it's not meticulously organized, but it is this doesn't have cleaner a lot of and shit. neater and he doesn't have a lot of shit. And he just has these rules that he lives by and takes care of. And for, Rocky, Rocky even says this, this is only temporary. He's telling Adrian, I'm not going to be here for long. And I don't know if that means he's going to have to move to another apartment or if he really does see himself getting a better life at some point soon. Like he's holding out hope with what he has. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I feel like we, at some point we have to talk about Rocky and Adrian's relationship. And we, we know we've been referencing, oh, there's some sketchy stuff in here. Like we should just rip off the bandaid and, and, and talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have very mixed feelings about that, like whole courtship sequence. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like 
Rocky is talking to Polly. He's like, hey, why don't your sister give me a time of day? And he's like, yeah, come over tomorrow for Thanksgiving and like, we'll hang out. And like, you know, they're walking over there the next day and Rocky's like, hey, you, you, your sister know I'm coming over? He's like, yeah, yeah, she's very excited. They get there and clearly Adrian has no idea that Rocky was getting there and is like freaked out of her mind and like not prepared for that kind of thing, like not mentally or emotionally ready for some dude to just walk in and, and try to take her out on a date. And it's that scene is very upsetting. You know, she's clearly does not want to go. And Polly keeps pushing it and pushing it. And then finally, she like, you know, ascents and, and, and goes. And then the ice rink scene, I think, is, is amazing. Like, I, I love that sequence. You know, uh, Rocky bribing the guy running the rink to, to let them on. There's nobody there. Uh, you know, Adrian is skating while Rocky's running beside her <laughs> yeah. is so funny to me. And, and it, that sequence is really charming, I think, as Rocky is really trying to identify with her but, and, and get her to like him. But the only thing he knows how to talk about is boxing. Yeah, I'll tell you what the trouble is. You see, I'm a southpaw. What's a southpaw? Well, a southpaw means you're left-handed. And a southpaw throws your timing off. You see? Other guys throws their timing off, makes them look awkward. Nobody wants to look awkward. You know where southpaw came from? Nine huh? minutes. I'll tell you, a long time ago, there was this guy, maybe a couple hundred years ago, he was fighting in the, uh, he was fighting around, I think it was around Philadelphia, and his arm, he was left-handed, his arm was facing towards New Jersey, you see? And that's South. So then actually they call him South Paw, you see? South Paw, South Jersey, South Camden, South Paw. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Showing her photos. I love that everybody in this movie that's into boxing carries photos around from their old days. Uh, like yeah. even yeah. Mickey produces like some old photo from like himself. 50 years ago yeah. when he beat, beat up somebody. Yeah. The pedigree. It's like all that you have as a boxer, which is tragic in a way. It's, it's kind of funny to think about. Like I wouldn't carry those kinds of things. But it's so much of their life is spent in the ring that that's all they know how to do and how they know how to produce yeah. is that pedigree of here's what I used to look like. Here's what I did. And Rocky talking about, you see my nose? It's been like tugged on, chewed on, everything. It just hadn't Never been broken, broken yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really proud of that. <laughs> but yeah. But uh, that scene is so good at, at the ice rink. And then you cut from there to the apartment and it's like, you know, Rocky just keeps begging her to come into the apartment and that that scene is like kind of cute he's like hey come on he's like leaving the door open and going back inside kind of poking his head out but then once she gets in there it's like pretty rapey yeah. you know she's clearly not comfortable being there she tries to leave and he's like pushes pushes his hand over the door so she can't escape and he's like oh, i'm gonna kiss you you don't yeah. gotta kiss me back but i want to kiss you like, <laughs> yeah. oh fuck um that you know line but of course she's into it and uh you know then they just like become boyfriend and girlfriend magically um you could have cut those that like, I'm going to kiss you. You don't have to kiss me back sort of stuff. The one line that Adrian says in that scene that really resonates with me is when he says, you're really pretty. And she's like, you stop teasing me. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, that is so sweet. It warms my heart that Rocky's being genuine with her. And she's just been so abused verbally by Polly, probably and plenty of people, mom. definitely by Polly, by her mom. Yeah. Um, that there's somebody here who like genuinely sees her as beautiful and, and values her, but doesn't know how to connect so well with her. Yeah. Um, and then it's all undercut when he's like, because you don't have to kiss back. And it's just like, why would you do that? <laughs> it doesn't... Yeah. It's definitely presented that he, he almost seems to immediately be enamored with her, maybe already in love with her. Like from the instant he sees her, um, contrary to all the animals he's stealing like finally he sees somebody other than an yeah. animal to just take home yeah. um but <laughs> yeah it's i in the 
in the movie, it's this him trying to bring down her walls. And and you can see it and you can see like what he's trying to do, but it is in that way in the 70s where it's like, well, you just gotta, you know, you gotta win them over. That mm-hmm. you know, girls girls don't say what they really want. You know, they're, they're gonna say no until you get them to say yes, kind of like that today is really creepy. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, today comes off as really creepy. And you're there's like a couple tweaks there that would make it get that across because you're right like the ice ring stuff is really great mm-hmm. the the things they say it's clear like that he isn't just trying to use her or anything like that which mm-hmm. right like the early parts like definitely the even still a cultural problem of just like hey i have this guy he's coming over like you need to be in a relationship Polly really is trying to like right. get her out right this yeah. expectation that's like you're old enough, you be out of here, and it's like just I'm gonna keep bringing guys, and you have to go on dates with up. them, and you, <laughs> yeah, jeez, yeah. that's rough, yeah. yeah, yeah, you have to placate them, you have to, you know, do whatever. Like I try to imagine the flip in any of these scenarios. Like you would never see it where they're telling a guy like, hey, you need, you know, maybe you would be like, hey, you need a girl, but then never is it like, hey, I brought a girl for you, and it's like, well, I'm not into her. Well, you gotta go, you gotta go, you get like right shoving mm-hmm. on them the same way, um, and then yeah, similarly, like it would wouldn't make sense if you saw it in a movie where the girl is like pushing the guy like this and pinning it up against the wall almost or, or right that it's like okay well then if it isn't then it's wrong right it would just be very different yeah we did have to pause the movie and kind of like talk a little bit and be like oh yeah this is an older movie like talk to our kids <laughs> and it's like if anyone ever does this to you it's not okay in this movie it's presented this way but like that's a no like, even if they do really like you, like, no, that's not how this should happen. Like, we had to stop and have a discussion. Um, that's so, yeah, probably it is. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I love seeing the kind of before and after for Adrian's story as a whole for this movie. I love her arc uh, yes. as a character. She has an incredible character arc. Having her start out um, just that sweet moment, the first moment that you know that uh, Rocky is hundred percent genuine towards her. Just, he has the best intentions. He goes about it the wrong ways, but him practicing in front of the mirror, the joke he's going to tell her the next day when he goes to the pet store yeah, that's about good. the moths and the turtles getting shell shock. It's super cute. Uh, and Adrian it doesn't blow him off. Like her body language very much is that of somebody who just doesn't want to be disturbed any more than she already has been. Um, and watching their relationship sort of blossom after the moment, after that rapey sequence in his apartment, when they actually become like a cute couple and mm-hmm. a lot is happening where she's trying to support him and also understand fighting. She's still trying to understand why he wants to fight. Um, it, it's so beautiful. And then when she blows up on Polly, whenever yeah. Polly gets frustrated with her and is just trying to unload his problems on her. That scene made me cry because <laughs> I was just like, I think the only other time I've seen somebody that's like family destroy somebody and it makes me tear up is in It's a Wonderful Life. 
Just that <laughs> sequence of being so frustrated with somebody and being like, the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why don't you understand that you're hurting me? Um, or, you know, th this kind of empathetic reach that uh, Adrian has to, to bring Polly back to ground after he's flung off the handle. Um, it was just so overwhelming. Yeah, it's like Rocky has given her self-confidence finally, you know, that she actually knows that she deserves to be loved and that somebody out there actually cares about her and doesn't view her as a burden and, like, you know, finally gives her the confidence to step up to Polly and tell him to stop being a piece of shit. I think talking about Polly, like, he is such a tragic character and, you know, kind of like the inverse of, like, what could have happened to Rocky if he was, you know, 10, 15 years older and didn't achieve success and was stuck in a shitty working class job with nowhere to go and feels like his life has passed him by. And, you know, Polly is constantly blaming everyone else for all of his problems. He always thinks people owe him something. You know, he's like constantly asking Rocky for a job. He's, you know, just he just can't fathom the fact that maybe like like, yes, there are obviously societal circumstances around why he is in poverty, right? Or is in a, a working class situation given where we were economically in the seventies and what was going on at the time. But like also, you know, to some degree there's a personal responsibility there and he's just refusing to, to take that. And he's just, he's always mad at the world and at everyone around him, even his closest friends, his sister, because he thinks he's just deserving of more than he has. And, you know, he's drinking on the job at the meatpacking plant and, you know, just clearly has anger issues and alcohol issues. And it's just, uh, it's just so sad to see, it's, it's it feels like the life that Rocky could have if he doesn't have a positive outlook and doesn't catch the success that he ends up catching. Well, speaking of uh, Polly, the these kind of characters all hit different. Um, well, just speaking of the characters in general and how strongly they believe their different core values, like Polly being a reflection of what Rocky could be like if he was more cynical and uh, just let himself, you know, give up. Or um, having Adrian reflect into Rocky's optimism, suddenly realize that she has self-confidence. Let's talk about Creed. Let's talk about Creed's character. Yes. Uh, as just being kind of this overly confident. Uh, there's really not a whole lot to Apollo Creed. He is just the, he's the champ. That's all that they really advertise him as. I think like one of the lines that made me laugh that he said was like, I think after this, I'm going to run for emperor. Yeah, and it's just like <laughs> that brazen confidence is like all that he's meant to have. Um, even his his ringside manager has a bit more of an intensity in the character development. Like right. his ringside manager is trying to watch out for him. There's a sense of care there. There's sort of a little bit more cautiousness in watching Rocky's rise. Um, but Creed, I never got a good sense of who Creed is beyond. He's just a dude who who peacocks all the time. He's a peacock. You got to let him fly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you don't really get any character depth from Creed until Rocky three and they give him more screen time and he gets a little bit more. You get a little bit more from him, but he still has that very outward cocky nature to him. But he becomes a little bit more human in that movie. But yeah, it, it really feels like Stallone just wrote this like he Stallone said he was inspired by seeing somebody knock down Muhammad Ali. And it feels like he's just writing an, an Ali caricature as Apollo Creed. And just with none of like Muhammad Ali is such an amazing cultural figure. He was stood for all these amazing things. He was at anti-war. You know, he refused to go to Vietnam. He likes, you know, was a big part of the civil rights movement. And meanwhile, Apollo Creed is like dressing up as George Washington and wearing <laughs> the American flag. And just 
nothing at all like of what Muhammad Ali stood for. Um, it feels like a missed opportunity a little bit to not give him a little bit more depth and maybe write some of those aspects into that character and make him a little more interesting. You know, he's it's not what the movie's trying to do. He's just kind of like the imposing big bad and and you know the movie is it really does so well dive into the characters of rocky Polly and adrian and mick to to some degree as well but with creed yeah it's just he's just kind of this cartoon and it does it, carl weathers is so good in the role yeah he's great yeah. but i do wish he had a little bit more to do for sure yeah he's just a force to be overcome like there isn't mm. really much to that it is interesting though so this the the whole plot stems on the fact that uh creed isn't gonna have the fight he was supposed to and so it is interesting now because i don't think people would tune in for this fight right <laughs> like if it was yeah. just like oh yeah it's like all right our major boxer here doesn't have the person they're supposed to fight so here's some guy from the local town hey everybody this is going to be a big deal uh-huh. but so many of the seats to a to an event back then were selling to the local crowd selling to the paper, selling to the news channel, getting people to show up uh, versus now where they're much more like international big events where people fly out to um, mm. for a fight that would be this big. And so, yeah, the, the fact that like it wouldn't work today, <laughs> couldn't you couldn't actually do this exact same plot today because it would make yeah. no sense. No one would give a crap. But well, then the we way honestly that, like, don't even know if anyone cared about this fight because they basically darkened the entire arena because they couldn't, yeah, they couldn't get enough people, yeah. <laughs> and they only had like fifty extras in the whole place, and they just like lined them up around Rocky and Creed when they're entering, and then they moved them around the ring, and like they just, basically it, yeah. nobody in there. But <laughs> yeah, um, but but the the Creed buying into and selling that. Like, uh, and the fact that he, he, you do see the bit where he kind of gets excited of like, okay, yeah, like he, he mishears his manager essentially and is like, no, no, that's great. Like, and then people are going to eat that up. Like, that's mm. great. We'll, we'll look even better then because people will show up instead of the like, hey, you might lose. Like, he never, ever possibly thinks no. that this is going to be a fight that matters. It's just like, did we sell enough seats? Great. I don't care. Let me get out there, kick his ass. Yeah. Everybody will love me and I'll go to the next thing. Just find somebody with a cool name to put on a poster. The <laughs> Italian Stallion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything to be said for sort of sports exploitation in this movie? Do you feel like there's any sort of... Because you, you have like the commissioner who... Or is it the commissioner? The, the, the promoter. promoter yeah. yeah, the promoter who's like... Oh, it's great. We we just get some local yokel and have them fight the champ. That's perfectly fine. And he sort of tries to he tells Mickey that he's looking for a sparring partner, and that's how it lures sparring partner for Creed, and that lures Rocky in. And when Rocky's like, I've just I would spar with him, I wouldn't take any cheap shots or anything. The promoter's just like, No, like I want you to to box him. He's fully aware that there's kind of like this dance around saying like this is gonna be a real fight or not. Uh, is it an exhibition or not? Because later Creed's manager says he thinks that this is a real fight. He doesn't think that this is like an exhibition match show. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And even when Rocky is wandering around the empty stadium contemplating what's going to happen, he's like, they got my pants wrong. Like I have, you know, white ones with red stripes. And the promoter's like, doesn't really matter, does it? Mr. Jurgens, the post is wrong. What do you mean? Well, I'm wearing white pants with a red stripe. It doesn't really matter, does it? Sure, you're going to give us a great show. Like, Uh, he's just kind of a skeezy dude who wants to get people in seats and sell that. He doesn't really give a shit about Rocky. And it's sort of in theme with everything else where Rocky talks about nobody cared about me before. 
why should I care about them now? But uh, it, it made me think, maybe kind of curious if there was anything to it or if it was just sort of like, no, that's just a caricature that Stallone needed to, to help push this along. I think it's probably more the latter. I mean, like, boxing promoters are notorious shitheads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boxing is a, is strange. So I actually think that this, be, particularly this sport, gives in well to having the underdog story that wouldn't necessarily work in other sports because I, instantly comes to my mind is Mayweather. The criticism against him all the time was he would put together, he wouldn't take the fights he should take Mm-hmm. To actually show he was the best, he just wanted to pad out his number eventually. Like he didn't want to get that loss; he wanted to see how many he could get to. Um, and even the like Pacquiao fight was: people know Pacquiao, people know Mayweather. They're nowhere near the same size and shouldn't be fighting by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and and it Mayweather was, ended was up always being a good famous fight. for like being so defensive and not Slow, actually boring. He just wanted to yeah. win it on points by just touching the other person enough times, you know. And like he was super yeah. fast, and he'd get away with that. But like you're not seeing him trying to knock anybody out yeah and the and the fact that you can go so long between a match and it and then pull out like you have that where like someone who is the top dog would be like no never mind i don't want to do that fight and and back out of it um and not care because once they get to a fight as long as you know they win they get to carry another few years and and live off that um i I do think it's interesting like ufc i feel like is picked up so much more steam than boxing did because it presents this like oh they constantly fight it's constantly on the line they constantly fight all of that and there's no way for this kind of sketchy like well why is he fighting him i want to see you know them who's the best who's really the best um in in somewhat older sports right like college football has changed and uh even you know college basketball changed more towards like we need one champion one clear champion that everybody can get behind and there's no (laughs) real controversy because it's like they won enough games in a row that's all that matters um became the focus so I do, yeah. Again, I think like boxing, it can play to that. It's interesting that we have no talk of someone taking a dive, which is the other big controversy. Like right. it's yeah. never, yeah. The only other piece that you, you could throw in this movie is that they come to him and the like the promoter behind Creed's back is like, "Hey, don't try. Like, look, we'll pay you a little bit extra, make it look good, but that's it." And that never comes up. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought, you know, maybe they could do something with his like mob ties because he gets like 500 bucks from the dude he knows. Right. Yeah. But then that dude's just genuinely nice. And is like, don't worry about it. Like, Hey, here's 500 bucks. Like yeah. use that for your training, buy your raw eggs, whatever you need. <laughs> um, it's 50 bucks. Have a nice time yeah. with your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this guy's a really sweet mobster. Like I already <laughs> forgot that he was having him break people's hands and he's going to, yeah, he goes Del Rio owes me 2k and like can bring it back in three weeks or something. Like, yeah, I uh, I totally forgot about that because that guy's so nice. I thought he would come back and do something skeezy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting, right, that there's there ends up not really being anything on the line stakes-wise other than the core character piece of, like, we want Rocky to, Rocky's to be something. Rocky's dignity and yeah. respect. Yeah, we want him to be something. But there's no, like, he isn't going to get the relationship or he's going to be out poor or... Like there really isn't, which the later movies are all crazy stakes in the final match. Uh, oh yeah, um, but yeah, that there's nothing really necessarily here on the line, but his pride. That is probably yeah, and- the most emotionally connective thing in any Rocky movie that you can get is is that sense of self worth because everything else is Rocky ending communism or <laughs> Rocky wrestling Hulk Hogan or <laughs> whatever might happen there. Yeah, and I think that's part of what makes this movie so good is that like. That's all it's about is a man trying to 
believe that he matters, you know, and like it's not uh, getting caught up in all this extraneous stuff about like, you know, will he win the title or not? Like, who cares? You know, it's just like he needs to prove to himself that he's he's, you know, worthy of whatever he thinks he's worthy of. Which uh, brings us to talking about when Mickey finally decides to try to come back and become his manager, that scene when for so long, Mickey was like, you're a bum. Like you haven't done anything with your life. Like Mm -hmm. you're just like weak. Can't do it all. Like all this other stuff. And then Mickey locks him out of his own locker. at The beginning of the movie gives his locker away after Um, he's just won a fight the night before. Yeah. With Spider Rico. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Mickey like discounts that too. He's like, yeah, you want it. Doesn't matter. Spider Rico's a bum too. And he just cuts Rocky down at every turn. But the moment he finds out Rocky's going to the championship, like he's going to fight for that championship title. Mickey changes his tune because of his failures. Cause Mickey feels like mm-hmm. he never made it and he wants to help Rocky. And that creates such an interesting friction between them where now Rocky is like, Oh, well you didn't want to help me before. I don't give a shit about you right now. Um, but, but that's kind of against Rocky's internal character. He's usually pretty optimistic and wants to believe that there's good in the other people he's talking to. And so that entire sequence where Mickey confronts him and is trying to make a conversation. First of all, I laughed when Mickey walked into his apartment and said, that's a nice place you got here, rock. And like, <laughs> I was like, no, it's a, it's a knife in the wall. Uh, <laughs> like he just turns around and is like, yeah, well, uh, anyways, and starts trying to tout out his pedigree and really connect with Rocky on the level of boxing. But Rocky's so suspicious of it that, whole dynamic of them dancing um i know in our episode we talked with uh, when we talked about the whale we talked about business and blocking and in this i feel like the business and the blocking is fantastic like it's spectacular in this apartment sequence as mickey is trying to produce a photo and show rocky and rocky doesn't want to see it and he walks away from it there is this air you can sense between them that's pushing them around that room and none of it feels fake it really feels like that discomfort of not wanting to confront each other about their uh, their misgivings with uh with each other so instead rocky just locks himself in the bathroom and starts flushing the toilet a bunch i guess (laughs) and and mickey sort of gives up in this quiet desperation is really sad when uh burgess meredith is like rock i'm like 70 something years old and he's just tired and turns and just leaves it it broke my heart i was like Oh, man. Um, And the way they play that scene where he opens the door and realizes he's forgotten his hat and closes it. And so Rocky thinks that he's left and Rocky opens the bathroom door and sees Mick standing there putting his hat on and he just goes right back in the bathroom like, fuck this. I don't want to see you. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, You know, just just the impact of that works really well. And then straight from there, like Mickey gets it, he leaves and then Rocky just starts shouting at him as he's leaving the building kind of airing all of his grievances, you know, like I needed you 10 years ago. What, you don't like my place? You think it stinks? Yeah, it fucking stinks. 10 years ago in my house. Huh? What's the matter? You don't like my house? My house stinks? That's right, it stinks! Are you prime? What about my prime, Nick? At least you have prime! I ain't had no prime, I ain't had enough. Legs are going, everything is going, no one's getting enough. Guy comes up offers me a fight. Big dude, wanna fight the fight? Yeah, I'll fight the big fight. I wanna get that! And you wanna be ringside and see it? Do you? You wanna help me out? 
and you know then finally you know kind of as he's yelling like realizes like oh i guess like i have to i have to take this guy up on his offer who else is going to coach me like if i'm gonna like not die then like i need to take that up and you know runs after him down the street but it's a, a really great way to kind of you know build that relationship for this movie and future movies with rocky and mick and they both have so many regrets in their life and how they haven't handled things the way they wish they had and they are each other's ticket to redemption for those sins of their past yeah i also like that when rocky runs to meet up with mickey we don't hear any adr there's some adr in this mm-hmm. movie that comes out of nowhere it's kind of weird like i think rocky punches like a, a slaughtered cow and goes moo and it's like clearly oh, yeah. adr <laughs> for some reason he wanted to include that uh but here we just see him run into the street and the score takes over and they walk yeah. down the lane and are talking with each other and we just don't hear any of it we don't need to and it's it's a beautiful it crescendo to that sequence i i just yeah it left me kind of speechless and a little teary-eyed um but yeah was that exciting. also kind of reminds me of on the waterfront where there's that big emotional scene where you just hear like foghorns and you don't hear the <laughs> words that are actually being said yeah um you know because you can imagine once they get down the road and start talking there's probably a very sweet intimate moment there but like you can achieve that through distance more than you can through closeness and and having the music hit at the right cues and the score is just so fucking good and it just does it hits every emotional beat that it needs to hit throughout the movie and just kind of the perfect way yeah so yeah i was gonna say let's talk about the directing real quick because yeah in my mind i always remember this being directed by stallone but it's right it's same. Not. same yeah so it's directed by john abeldson i'm totally probably not that's saying it his and he correctly. won best director yeah. for this movie and, and then didn't. never directed any rocky movie <laughs> no, again yeah he, he directed rocky five Oh, he oh, did? Oops. Which oh, is shit. not saying anything good. I'm <laughs> not quite sure why he came back for that. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, why he didn't, did Soderbergh come back for Magic Mike 3, right? Yeah, why? why? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, the money's in it, I guess, right at that point. Um, he did go on to direct The Karate Kid. Uh, oh, that makes which, sense. So that's interesting that I'm like, okay, he really established then the montage using a hit song around mm-hmm. that montage and kind of how a sports movie like i'm like in my mind those two are like the really obvious cliched sports movies i guess he watched or knew karate a little bit more than boxing because yeah. the actual karate scenes in that one makes sense where the boxing here is well yeah still didn't nonsense. choreograph the karate scenes in karate kid so <laughs> yeah yeah okay right right <laughs> um but the there are a lot of really impactful scenes and and like the the big one around the montage and then eventually running up the steps with the steady cam um mm-hmm. that being there's like this the new technology that gets used there um makes all of that right the music the fact that i will say they're just running down the street like this is not with, with the extra there aren't extras they're just people in the background uh-huh. as he's running and then the use of the steady cam it just creates this amazing like moment that you absolutely feel um and, and so many of them like even i would say as stupid as the boxing is, <laughs> the actual things that are happening, like the how they're on the ground, like getting up, the tension of all of it, the excitement of the crowd, them going through, like that stuff's all good. It just doesn't make sense yeah. on a boxing point, but it is well directed to get you invested. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, it's interesting talking about the cinematography. Uh, Garrett Brown, the Steadicam inventor, I believe this is the first movie that he actually used 
the Steadicam in, and he did some test footage with his wife on the steps of that museum in Philadelphia. And then, like, Avildsen saw it, and he's like, no, I want you to do that exact thing <laughs> in Rocky. <laughs> and, um, like, there's a lot more scenes than that where it's used, and you don't, like, watching it now, you don't really think it's anything revolutionary. But, like, at the time, you know, to have a moving camera, you had to have either a shaky handheld or build out really long tracks and have these complex uh, systems there. And, um, like, there's the scene where Polly and Rocky walk into the meat uh, cooler and there's all these beef carcasses there. Yeah. And the camera is just one single take moving, you know, I don't know, at least 100 feet probably and weaving in through all these uh, beef uh, sides. And it's just so, it's so interesting the way that's done. And, and the Steadicam is used in a way that it's not, you know, like the way I think of the Steadicam is more like The Shining, where you're just like yeah. amazed by it, and it's kind of drawing attention to the cinematography, which is not a bad thing. But um, in Rocky, it's almost just kind of servicing the characters, and just like we need to make the best shot we can to make this scene land emotionally and to make you care about these characters in the right way. And the Steadicam was useful for what they were trying to do, given the sets they had, and. You know, there's the montage stuff and going up the steps, which is super cool. But then there's there's just these smaller moments that you don't really think of as being that big a deal now because we see this stuff more often in, in modern movies. It gives you such a feeling that you're there with Rocky, like that it it it, yeah. it gives it a very realistic feel because they're not having to work around. Yeah, can you imagine like building a track all the way up those steps and then having oh, like geez. a he has I think to stand inside it. of a circle like, and you, there would you be would no way right. to do it without just seeing it on camera. Yeah. Right. It was the same thing with The Shining, right? There's no way you could have that whole hall yeah. and then follow that all the way around all those curves. Um, and it makes you feel more in the movie, in the moments and with it. And that, I think that's what works. And you're right, even in these smaller moments, you don't realize it, but your mind is just like, we're there. It makes natural movements and naturally follows. Yeah, I was thinking about like, you know, Polly pushing the meat and teasing Rocky the entire way through that meat locker. Mm -hmm. If you did that with cuts, uh, it would just make it so much more impersonal in the way that it's done. Um, like I'm trying to think of how you would do it other than, you know, ones and twos. And it would make that action and that momentum and Polly's teasing just land like more of a distraction than it was actually part of that sequence of getting to know these characters and their relationship because the entire time Rocky's just like, stop doing it. And Polly's like, ah, <laughs> like pushing whatever. And it's just, you're allowed to be there with them. And it's so goofy. Um, yeah. And that yeah. scene is, is so good. Like it builds up a lot of the dynamic between Rocky and Polly and, you know, they're going through this whole thing. He keeps asking Rocky for a job. He's like, you know, my hands are like having all these problems. He's like, you know, Rocky's like, Oh, maybe you should work out. So it's like, no, I need a new job. Like I, I can't keep doing this over and over. And, um, you know, this conversation just builds really naturally into this very casual conversation where he's cutting a steak up for, for Rocky and he's like, so, uh, so you balling my sister? Yeah. And <laughs> just like really explodes at that point. You know, Rocky is, is very offended and he clearly wants to punch Polly, but instead just punches one of the, the beef carcasses and just like goes to town on that fucking thing and breaks the ribs and like leads to, you know, kind of that famous uh you know sequence where he's training in the the freezer and the local news crew is is coming and profiling him on tv yeah I, I that's the that worst idea of training yeah. all the yeah. training in here 
That's to, such to, a bad idea. <laughs> it's such a gimmick. <laughs> he's just got bloody knuckles. That's like I love the all the blood aesthetic. on his hands. He turns yeah. to the news uh, anchor and he's just got blood pouring all down his arms. <laughs> I love that the news anchor interrupted the feed and was like, hey, the, the meat guy, he's in the, the background shot. Get out of the way. <laughs> like, trying to push Polly aside. Another tragic thing where Polly wanted to be recognized and yep. he wasn't. Today we're here with heavyweight challenger Rocky Balboa. The reason we're standing in hey, this the meat guy sticking his face in. Let's try it again, Rocky. It's like, oh, man. Talking about the boxing, you know, we've talked about how this is not, you know, the best choreographed boxing fights. I, I think it's interesting that, like, Rocky is clearly not a good boxer, right? And I think that fits with the story because he's always been self-taught, right? Like, he's never been able to get Mick to help him out and give him proper coaching. And so he's basically just survived on instinct and fighting a lot of people that maybe aren't that good. And he's got a lot of losses in his career. And, you know, you have the, the training montage, which is fucking great. And, you know, he clearly gets bigger and stronger, according to, you know, the lyrics of the montage song. <laughs> yes. It's funny to me how blatant that montage song is. It like, felt the like a parody is, song. Yeah, it feels like is this from Team America or something. Um, but it just works. It's so good. It just works. Um, but, you know, he's clearly getting in better shape for the fight. But it does not appear that Mick has really taught him much at all about boxing when he gets into the ring. And, like, you know, he's a guy that's had, what, 70 professional fights and has learned a lot of bad habits. I'm sure it's hard to get rid of those things. Can't in, keep his know, fucking hands up. A month. Even, yeah. Even in the early, yeah, fight, apparently the early rounds. He's just really good at getting hit in the face. That's like Rocky Four. He still hasn't learned anything. Like, no. Even Drago punches his face the entire round uh -huh. for boxing. It's yeah, he just <laughs> leads yeah. with his head and just keeps taking punches to the face over and over. <laughs> and he's just a superhuman in that he can't, like, he can't be knocked out. Like he just gets back up every time and he can take more of a beating than any human that has ever lived. My God, he can withstand super CTE. Yeah. <laughs> we need to study him for science. Isn't that the way Homer, isn't that his strategy? Yeah, yes, that's his yeah, strategy. Yeah. Yes. Swear that's uh, funny. Um, yeah. I think I first seen this a long time ago. And then since then I actually had watched boxing. Like I, I do like watching boxing. And coming back and watching it again, like immediately, I was like, that fight would stop. Like almost right away, I'm oh, like, yeah. that ref would stop that fight. He hasn't. Yeah, like, oh, you're himself. not trying he to defend yourself. Put your fucking hands <laughs> up. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> that ref just wanted to see him go the distance, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah, did you and just we... notice before the fight, both Apollo and Rocky do this weird nasal spray? Yeah, and like they, sniff they, really hard as they're pulling this nasal spray. It's like, what the fuck is that? Is that a like, saline to like make sure that they don't bloody up and yeah, you know, it's or like open a up their nasal passageways so they can breathe yeah. well during the fight or something? I don't know. Yeah. I want. I don't know about in '76 what was legal and not legal. Um, but they you, sometimes you can use things that purposely open up your pass, na nasal passage. Um, now things are illegal that will do that to a certain extent. Um, yeah. They still use it on horses and horse racing. The same thing. It opens up your passages and gets you more Oxygen. air going. Yeah. yeah. But oh. yeah, I would even say like from a directing standpoint, I haven't seen the Creed movies. I think probably because yeah. I thought Rocky Five was so bad. It's really bad. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, and I'm not Rocky saying Rocky Balboa. Four is great. 
No, Rocky's like 60 and decides to fight the heavyweight champion of the world again. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I kind of am like. I thought Creed was just like, all right, we're just fucking trying to continue to cash in on this. Um, But now recently I'm like, all right, I saw the Creed 3 trailer and I'm like, all right, maybe there's something, maybe something going on with these movies that's different. (laughs) Um, But from a boxing standpoint, as a, a directing, I'm sure these recent movies are so much better at this, but we never really get a... Like he's Southpaw, and that's mentioned, which he explains poorly. Um, but we so don't really get it. He's Southpaw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just love how like Adrian does not talk during that whole date sequence, and Stallone cannot shut up. And <laughs> every stop. time he sees her in the pet shop or on the date, whatever, he just keeps talking, and he can't shut the fuck up. And he's <laughs> like, "You're gonna sabotage yourself, dude. Like, just be quiet. Let her talk. Like, what are you?" And like, he's waiting for her to talk, and she's shy, and she doesn't want to. But just hearing him go on and on and repeat himself and say dumb things is just funny to me. Yeah, never <laughs> ask the question. Just keeps going. With yeah. This. Yeah. Shit. Um, but yeah, like that, that if we had an understanding of like, oh, a Southpaw has this advantage, right? That, you know, or talk about their arm length or height or something like there, there never really was anything that we got an idea of like what makes Rocky different that he's he like, can't it throws go off other than, yeah, other, yeah, sort of, yeah, other yeah. than like. <laughs> He has grit, which you're right, is totally like an anime thing. That's all the explanation we need in an anime thing is just yeah. like, oh, he has more heart. That's what matters. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, which is what I think this rides on. And then from a standpoint, like, it's never really clear the length of the rounds or which round we're in. We or... jump from like round one to like 13 pretty fast. Yeah, they just keep yeah. flashing like the boxing girls with the, the round cards. And it's like there's a part during the fight where they're just like, Boxing girl three, boxing girl four, boxing girl five. You know, they just keep going. You don't even see anything happening in those rounds. Right. And we have no idea, like, is who's winning the rounds? Like, who's ahead? Who's behind? Right. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But it it is interesting how, like, all of that is just, like, not not there at all. From a boxing, like, this being a, quote, sports movie, the sports part is really kind of glossed over really quickly at the end to kind of get to the, like. All the all that matters is he went longer than people would think, and he's mm. got grit and heart. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And there's in some of the later movies they talk about, you know, oh, Rocky's smaller and shorter than a lot right. of his opponents, so he needs to like get inside and work the body. And they talk a little bit about strategy against longer opponents, but that that's about it, really. That's all you really get. And in Rocky, there's just none of that yeah, no, whatsoever. Yeah. They f- yeah. foreshadow things that happen in the ring and that's about it. Like he talks about his nose not being broken. A lot of people talk about his right. nose not being broken. Uh Paulie talks about you breaking <laughs> the ribs and he talks about breaking the ribs and then it just ends up being, hey, he breaks Apollo's ribs, Apollo breaks his nose. There we go. Yep. <laughs> that's that's what we got, the payoff. Can, and of you course, imagine the, if this really was like an anime where it's like oh, he yeah. gets like hit in the nose and like nothing happens and the crowd goes and then over on the side, uh He's explaining to Polly, like, his nose is unbreakable. Oh, yeah. <gasps> like, <laughs> the guys in the corner. Never just seen that exposition. before. Yeah, just explaining it. <laughs> yeah, and we get the famous uh, you gotta cut me mick uh, scene, which yeah. I've I've I don't know why, but I've heard that so much in pop culture, and only recently has it like faded away from me. I don't hear it anymore. But I was just like, Oh, this is yeah, I forgot. This is where this happens. He gets his eye cut open and it's uh, it's looks pretty Ooh. fake, but uh, it's also yeah. just like ugh. The whole time I think about it, yeah, like, man. I can't see nothing. Got to open my eye. Cut me, miss. You don't want to do it. Oh, cut me. Cut me. Try it. Cut it. Oh, God. 
That's brutal shit. Yeah, boxing is uh, fucking barbaric. <laughs> yeah, the sweet science. <laughs> that's, that's uh, yep, that's a branding thing. Um, yeah, they also yeah. bleed to a point that maybe would have caused a stoppage. Yeah. Um, Rocky's face is never going to heal, right? Like, that's never going to be no, the same. No. <laughs> He'll never see again. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Rocky 2, there's an entire plot point about how he's gone blind in his right eye from the fight against Apollo, and Apollo wants a rematch, and so he has to train to fight regular instead of Southpaw, so he can actually see what's so happening see in front of him. Side. And yeah. then in the later movies, they never bring it up again. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. He recovered his vision. Yes. <laughs> uh, is, uh, is Adrian in any of the other ones? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, Adrian's a central figure in, i forgot the if uh, they kill her off down the line at some point but she, she's not yeah. in rocky four right where is she i'm pretty sure she is i watched two okay. and three this past week and she's in both of those i assume okay. she's in four i'm pretty sure they kill her off in four or five i don't know which one but... oh okay probably five i'm guessing yeah. i don't know but uh <clears throat> yeah well let's talk about the ending of the movie then that whole culmination we get that yeah. boxing match and everything but the, to to the point we're talking about earlier, the director having this good sense of momentum, maybe not necessarily real world rules for boxing, but they are able to this this achievement of carrying you through the fight, that montage sequence of the the ring girls counting up. Um, and then this final moment where uh Rocky's getting the shit beat out of him in that final round and gets knocked down, and Mickey is like, Stay down, stay down, Rock. And he just is like, fuck it. I'm going for it. I'm going all in. And he's getting up. And at that moment, you're like cheering. I love the and- look on Apollo's face when <laughs> Stallone gets up. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I've given this guy everything I can. And he's still standing. Love the shambling that they do. And <laughs> the moment that uh, they like ring the bell after he's just like beating on Apollo's ribs. And they just start clinching. And Apollo's like, ain't going to be no rematch. Ain't going to be no rematch. And Rocky's like, don't want one. And then immediately the like reporters fled the stage. The music hits real hard. Yeah, the music hard. hits hard. And it's just this emotional high. And this reporter is like, Rocky, how do you feel about it? He's like, Adrian. <laughs> just like yeah. fucking yelling. Adrian's like, Rocky, like just running to the ring. Um, which those sequences when they cut away from the fight to show Adrian were heart wrenching for me because it was like yeah. the wrestler. It felt like the wrestler. It, yeah, I was like, oh god, she's gonna watch this man die in the ring. Yeah, and she just got confidence from him in their relationship. Shit, this is fucking rough. Um, but then like hugging, embracing, and that freeze frame. That's all I needed. I don't need to see anything else from this yeah. movie. Run those credits, man. The ending is like seven exclamation points just like it's so it's so good and it's <laughs> yeah. like it all comes together in kind of a cheesy way but like i don't fucking care it's so good at all it it just works super well i love that they announced that apollo's the winner and you like barely hear it and you yeah, see him just, kind of yeah. in the background of one of the scenes putting his fist up but like we don't care about that we're just we're back on rocky and adrian runs up to him and they you know confess their love to each other and you know the movie ends in this emotional crescendo and the music just hitting you right in the heart and honestly i think that's like the closest i'm gonna get to watching a movie and feeling like i just did a line of cocaine at the end of it yeah so i was just like oh man i'm gonna go start a business want to like Like, run laps after you see the movie (laughs) yeah exactly um which i mean we talked about seeing uh after this like all the rocky movies become a caricature um and then pop culture sort of enveloping it and a lot of people forgetting what this original movie is becoming a dorm room poster i just wanted to bring up this anecdotal piece that in college at ut um, when I was walking through campus to get to different classes, 
There was one student, I will never know who this brave hero is, but they dressed in sweats every day of the year. Doesn't matter if it's summer <laughs> or winter. And they ran with a boom box that just played the Rocky montage music <laughs> the entire time. Getting to any, yeah, like, to any class. And they had shades on and everything, like a whole Stallone look. And I was just like, this is the most beautiful epitome of what Rocky culture is for me. Was now. he like running and fist pumping? <laughs> yes, in the air, he was. Yeah. He was. It was great. I love that so person. Good. Wherever they are, they inspired me. <laughs> yeah, amazing. But yeah. I think it, uh, I want to briefly touch on uh, the awards for this movie. It was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, won three of them for Best Picture, Director, and Editing, I assume for the montage sequence. Um, they got four acting nominations, didn't win any of them, wasn't nominated for score, which kind of shocked me. It was nominated for Best Song for the montage song, but not overall for score. Mm. It, when it won Best Picture that year was really competitive. It beat out All the President's Men, Network, and Taxi Driver. Wow. We're all nominated and Rocky came out ahead. Um, you know, it, in my opinion, Taxi Driver should have won that. But like, I don't have a problem with Rocky winning Best Picture. It's a great movie. And there have been so many terrible movies that have won Best Picture over the years that, you know, you understand <laughs> why, why this one. It's a movie that the Academy can kind of get behind because it's inspirational and all of that. It's not like a weird downer like Taxi Driver is. But <laughs> yeah. That's all I got. You guys have any other thoughts on, on Rocky before we close this out? I, yeah, I would say I think it honestly holds up pretty well. There's a little bit of like an of its time, but it's really just around that romance angle. I think everything else honestly still works. It is simplistic, but it's it's good enough. Like it's it's just enough that kind of anyone can follow along and get it. We don't get into the particulars of the sport at all and have to worry about that. While the boxing is mm, questionable, it isn't unrealistic. Um, other than the fact that how long is it between the announced fight and and him getting five in the weeks. match? Because five weeks not enough time yeah. to train to actually go against someone at Creed's level. That's just um, an excuse, Ryan. That's what all those other boxers used as an excuse yeah. to get out of it. I mean, he was boxing, so he's in some shape, I guess. But <laughs> it's that's a little bit of a stretch. Um, yeah, even like for for my kids, like it was clear, like they don't know what's going on, you know, with with what what the hell it is other than punching people, but that's all yeah. you need to know. Um, and yeah, I think all the it it really is a movie that's it's all of its elements. The characters are believable. It the fact that it that who they cast, but Stallone is the part. I mean, he is Rocky. There's no way to to depart it. But that's because it, he makes Rocky grounded. Like mm -hmm. He is a regular guy and Stallone plays it, you know, as a regular guy and it works, you know, every, and you have that feeling of like, yeah, hey, Rocky. Yeah, I could I could know that guy. He's cool. Yeah. Um, and so I think that and the music and the directing and cinematography, like it all comes together perfectly. Um, and so that's where it's just like it is a whole piece movie that I think works. Yeah, for sure. Um, only other thing I'll, I'll add is that whenever I see Carl Weathers in anything, all I can think of is, baby, you got a stew going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My thought is always, you're married to Carl Weathers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, baby, you got to take that home. Get, put that in a pot, get some veggies. Baby, you got a stew going. <laughs> Uh, I fucking love Carl Weathers. Oh, he's wonderful. Uh, Just so great. That and Dylan, you, you son, son of, of a bitch. bitch. Yes, <laughs> obviously. 
Uh, if you haven't seen Action Jackson, I recommend it. Oh, it's, I haven't. It's a fucking wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking wild Carl Weathers vehicle. Uh, but yeah, um, awesome. Yeah, so I think that kind of wraps everything up. Uh, Ryan, would you recommend this movie? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and and I would recommend this movie as well. There's a reason there's a statue of Sylvester Stallone. I'm sorry, there's a statue of Rocky, the character oh, yeah, yeah. in Philadelphia. <laughs> I can't believe that's real. That's yeah. wild. Did, did they build a, a statue of RoboCop in Detroit, or did they build that statue in <laughs> Dallas? I'm not entirely sure where that one is. But... Uh, I did not know there was a RoboCop statue. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there is. Oh my! Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't even know how that statue came to be. Like it's in, they write it into Rocky Three, but I don't know if they made it for Rocky Three and it's just there now, or if like the city just loved Rocky and made it, and then they had to write it into the movie because how could you not? It's there on the steps. Yeah. Do you think like <laughs> I was gonna say? Do you think New York would have a statue of Travis Bickle? But that's oh not, my god! That's like way too much. <laughs> oh no! That's not right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, Dixon, would you uh, would you recommend Rocky, Dixon? I would absolutely recommend Rocky. Um, you know, the sequels are hit and miss. There are some that are good. There are some that are very much not. But the first Rocky really holds up. And I, I feel like we would be, you know, kind of in a better cinematic universe if the Rocky sequels didn't exist. It was just kind of one self-contained thing because it is so good. And it's this gritty character drama that it's just not it's not doing what the other movies do. And it's not be kind of becoming this weird, you know, sports movie paint by numbers thing that that it's become now. So, um, yeah, the first one is great. Don't don't look down on it because of, you know, kind of what the sequels have become and the influence it has had on our shitty sports movies of today. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for hanging out with us uh, this week on the Afterthoughts podcast with me, as always. John Garcia. Brian King doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn podcast. <laughs> block, <laughs> block your face. Block your face, Rocky. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.